0: Here in Genesis chapter number 19, we come to the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. We come to the place where Sodom and Gomorrah is destroyed. And of course, we know that Lot is there in Sodom. We know that uh, Lot chose to go to Sodom. The land of Sodom. We know that Abraham and Lot did have to separate, but Lot did not have to uh, go into the city. He didn't have to become a part of the city. There was plenty of places Lot could have went, but Lot went to Sodom. He was drawn there uh, by the ungodliness there. It's likely that when Lot was in Egypt, he got a taste for the things of the world, uh, and he sees his opportunity, and Lot has went back to Sodom. Lot is uh, there. Of course, Abraham delivered Lot when Sodom was taking captive, Uh, and after that we find that Lot has been made an official. Uh, Lot is there uh, in the the gate of Sodom. He is one of the officials. He is one that makes the laws, and you know, as I thought about Lot being an official in Sodom, Sodom was a vile, wicked place, and we'll look at some of this. I don't know how detailed We'll, we'll get into everything about Sodom, but Sodom was a vile, wicked place, which we all know. And we'll see from the content of the passage that the activity that went on in Sodom was not hidden. It was not done in secret. It was not done behind closed doors. Therefore, it was legal. That means those who set in the gate were making laws and enforcing laws that protected the wickedness that was going on in the city. What a place of depravity Lot has found himself in. That now he is sitting in the gate signing off on laws that protect the wickedness that is going on in the streets. Man, what what a depraved state Lot has found himself in. But in our last lesson, if you remember, in chapter number 18, we looked at Abraham, the friend of God. Abraham and Lot were together. Abraham and Lot uh, left or the Chaldees together. Abraham and Lot have traveled together. Abraham and Lot have uh, witnessed the hand of God together. And in chapter number 18, we see Abraham, the friend of God. And in chapter number 19, we see Lot in Sodom. I believe we can gain a lot. We can learn a lot just by those two titles. Abraham, the friend of God, Lot in Sodom. Both of them exposed to the hand of God. Both of them aware of God's ability, God's power, God's provision. Abraham chose to follow God and put the things of the world behind him. Lot, although he knew the goodness of God, chose to pursue the world and we find Lot in Sodom. And of course, in a place that is facing the judgment of of the Lord. I've got this book here uh, by John Phillips. This is a commentary uh, by John Phillips. Uh, John Phillips is a great commentator. I actually, when I was a teenager, uh, got to hear John Phillips speak in person many times. Listen to John Phillips speak, and I'm telling you what, a phenomenal speaker. I mean, he would just leave you on the edge of your seat with your mouth hanging open, like, wow, what a, what a, understanding of the Word of God. And so I have his commentaries, and I just want to read his introduction to chapter number 19 because he just so well describes what is taking place here in Genesis 19. He begins introducing the chapter by saying, "...in our degenerate culture, people who indulge in the vile passions of Sodom are termed gay. They demand their rights. They parade and demonstrate." They broadcast their shame on radio and television talk shows. They crusade for the elimination of all legislation that interferes with their supposed right to practice their abominations. An anemic, brainwashed culture has completely lost its way morally and bows to the pressure and the demands. Sodom is named six times in the Old Testament and four times in the New. Its name is synonymous with sexual perversion. It stands in the Bible as the outstanding example of an overthrow without remedy. The sins of Sodom knew no remedy. Their toleration by society indicates that the culture indulging such vices is a totally abandoned culture. More than any other catastrophe of the history of the world, the overthrow of Sodom is held up to us as the supreme example of the coming judgment of the world. Jesus said, As it was in the days of Lot, thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. The overthrow of Sodom provides us with a studied parallel based on changeless principles. Given the same set of circumstances, God acts the same way He did before. Thus the doom of Sodom and the hairbreadth breath escape of Lot illustrate the impending doom of the world and the nick of time escape of the church. And Of course, we also know the spiritual condition of Lot when he fled Sodom and Gomorrah. And we look at the spiritual condition of the church and we see a people that have lost touch with the Almighty God. Boy, I'll tell you what, what a powerful picture that we have here. So we're going to uh, be looking in Genesis chapter number 19. I would like to just read the chapter, uh, but it's uh, uh, right at 40 verses long. Uh, so we're just going to pray. We're going to dive right into the lesson, and we'll uh, see what the Lord has for us. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you, dear Lord, that you preserve stories such as this story of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Lord, to provide us with examples, to provide us with warning. Uh, Lord, to give us uh, something we can look at, Father, that makes us aware. Uh, Father, that you are a righteous judge. And Father, that you will not tolerate a, a society that turns their back on you. Father, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you, dear Lord, that you extend your hand of mercy over and over and over again. But Father, we see from this story that there comes a time when the mercy runs out and judgment must fall. Father, as we look at this story, Father, I pray that we will be instructed. I pray, dear Lord, that our hearts will be challenged. And Father, Lord, that you will help us. Lord, Lord, to learn from this story what to guard ourselves against and what to warn others against as well, Father, I pray. Thank you for your goodness. Bless us now. Thank you, Lord, that we're able to be in your house. It's good to be here. Thank you for those that are here. Bless us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Here we get into this uh, book, or this chapter 19, and we see in verse number one it says, And there came two angels to Sodom at even. even." Now we remember in chapter 18 uh, that the Lord and two angels had met with Abraham. We remember that Abraham pled for the life of Lot. Uh, And we see that the two angels left uh, and they came to Sodom to bring the judgment uh, that was coming to them. It says, And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. indicating his position of leadership. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Behold, now my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house and tarry all night, and wash your feet, and you shall rise up early and go on your way. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. And he pressed upon them greatly, and they turned in unto him, and entered into his house. And he made them a feast, and did bake unleavened bread, and they eat. I find it interesting that when we meet Lot, as I've already mentioned, Lot is sitting in the gate. In the previous chapter when these same men met Abraham, Lot was sitting in the door of his tent. What I see here is that Abraham had been called to sojourn and Abraham never took up any permanent dwelling. Abraham was always ready to do the will of God. He was always ready to do what God had called him to do, yet Lot who was with Abraham and could have been a part of that same journey, we find Lot in a house in the gate. Lot has set up permanent residence. Now I know that while we live on this earth, there's a certain degree of permanency that we must have uh, just in order to survive here on this earth. But our mentality should always be that we're looking for a city. We are not here to stay. This is not our permanent dwelling place. Uh, This is temporary. Abraham had the mindset, this is temporary. I am waiting on instruction from God. Lot had the mindset, I like what's here, and he put down roots. Uh, The first thing that we see, though, as we come into chapter number 19, is the depraved morality of Sodom. The depraved morality of Sodom. Then there are several things that we can point out to you here about Sodom and the depraved morality that we find here in this city. The first thing I want to point out to you is that their streets were polluted. Their streets were polluted. We see here that these angels came to Lot, uh, and Lot said, come into my house. And they said, no, we'll stay in the street all night. And Lot, being concerned for their safety, Pressed upon them that they would stay in his house, and of course, they came into his house. We see here that the streets uh, of the city had become polluted. It was unsafe uh, to be in the street. If you were in the street uh, and you were a stranger in the city, as we can tell from the story, uh, there were men who would come, who would capture, who would kidnap, and commit all types of vile acts on those uh, who were strangers, who were in the city. The streets uh, were polluted. And boy, I'm telling you, as we look through this chapter, there is so many comparisons that I can see to our great nation that we live in that I believe is at a place previously in the book of Genesis. We learned of Sodom, but Sodom was not yet being destroyed. Sodom was wicked, but not yet being destroyed. Sodom was receiving the mercy of God. When Abraham delivered Sodom from the kings, they were experiencing the mercy of God. And I believe that America right now is still receiving the mercy of of God, still receiving the mercy of God. I was speaking to someone this week and they said to me, they said, why has God not came yet? Why has the Lord not returned? Everything's in place. The world's gone crazy. Why has Jesus not come back? And I said, it's because of his mercy. That's why he's not returned. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And although this world is vile and it's wicked and it's steeped in sin and judgment is coming, every day that the sun crests over the hill again, it's because of the mercy of God and God is extending his mercy to a lost world, offering them an opportunity to come to Christ. We see here that the streets of this city were wicked. And I think about our country, and I think about how that the streets have become wicked. You know, I love to drive uh, on the Blue Ridge Parkway and look at the, the beauty of the mountains and the leaves and drive down 11 and look at the beauty. And boy, I tell you what, we live in a beautiful place. But you get into the cities, you can't see any beauty the streets are filled with wickedness. The advertisements, the billboards, the way people act, the things that they do, the streets have become polluted. We see here in Sodom that the streets are polluted. The second thing we see in verses 4 and 5 is that their actions had become unnatural. It says, But before they lay down, so they had came in, they had eaten the meal that Lot had prepared for them. I'm glad to see that Lot at least learned hospitality from his uncle. Now now Abraham, he fixed them fresh rolls and a whole cow. Lot gave them unleavened bread. You know, whenever you get away from the Lord, what you offer to him gets less and less and less. But at least Lot did provide them a meal. They sat down, they ate the meal. After the meal, before they lay down, the men of the city. Well, I'm telling you what, that is a sobering <laughs> sentence right there. The men of the city. You know what represents the defense of the city? The men of the city. You know what represents the wisdom of a city? The men of the city. You know what represents the leadership of a city? The men of the city. And here we see that before they lay down, the men of the city. Of the city, the leadership, uh, those that made the decisions, those that were supposed to be protecting, those that were supposed to be defending, they were the ones who were committing the most vile acts. There is, here we see that their actions are unnatural. Before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. They called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men that came in unto thee this night? Bring them out unto us, that we may know them. We see here unnatural actions. We see unnatural actions in many respects here in these verses, and there's no need to get into any graphic details, but we see unnatural actions, as I've already mentioned, in that those who are supposed to be defending are the ones that are destroying. Those that are supposed to be protecting are the ones uh, that are to be feared. Those that are to be the ones that are making rules and laws and regulations uh, that make the city an upright place are the ones that are tearing down the very strongholds of this city. This is unnatural. Whenever a man ceases to defend to protect, and to put up barriers and rules and regulations to protect his family, his home, and his community, he has become unnatural. And I'm telling you what, we live in a society that is tearing down the role of manhood. And I know this is unpopular in our day, but I grew up with an old-fashioned daddy, and I just believe that men ought to be men. I believe that men ought to stand for truth. I believe men ought to stand for right. Uh, I believe men ought to take a stand. They ought to proclaim the Word of God. I believe that they ought to be willing to say no. I believe they ought to have guidelines in their home that they stand for. And when a man ceases to be a leader, it's unnatural. Boy, I'm telling you what, this world is promoting propaganda and agenda from so many angles that when a man is a man he almost feels like he has to apologize for his manhood. Let me just say tonight, men, don't ever apologize for your manhood. Don't ever apologize for being who God made you to be and stand and lead and protect as long as God gives you breath. This was unnatural, the way these men were acting. It was unnatural in that they had left their God-given role. It's unnatural. If you look here, it says both old and young. Men are to be role models. You know what? If, if our children and grandchildren are going to grow up to be men that stand and lead, they're going to have to have some men to look up to. Men are to be role models. Men are to give young men an example to follow. These men were not leading the young men To be men. Instead, they were training the young men to be depraved and yielded to the appetites of the flesh. Both young and old compassed the city. It was unnatural. It was unnatural. And then it was also unnatural in their desire. They said, Where are the men? The Bible tells us in the book of Romans that God gave them up to unnatural desire. And I'll just say this evening, I know this is something they say you're not supposed to say, but I'll say it till they put me in jail and I'll keep saying it. God made one man and one woman to come together for life. That is how God designed it. That's how God intended it. And that is the only relationship that God will ever approve of. It is unnatural when men desire men. It is unnatural when women desire women. It is unnatural... It's not how God designed it. And I don't care how many arguments you give, it is not how God designed it. And God will never, ever, ever bless that relationship. Now, I do believe that in our generation, it is so promoted, and boy, I could get off on a rabbit trail here. It is so promoted in television, in in Anywhere you want to look, everywhere you look, this is promoted. It's promoted as being the uh, popular lifestyle. It's promoted as being something that you should try. It's being promoted as something that we cannot condemn and it's something promoted as if we are born with it and on and on and on we go. And because of how the agenda is pushed and promoted, we have a generation coming up who are going to be tempted in ways that you and I were never tempted. And because of that temptation, we have a generation coming up that is going to begin to live in that lifestyle. That does not mean that they are have entered into condemnation and cannot find salvation. Oh no, God can save them just like He can save anybody else. But when He saves them, they're going to get in His Word and they're going to find out that this relationship is sinful. Just as a man and a woman living together unmarried will understand this is a sinful relationship. They'll get in God's Word and they'll understand that this is a sinful relationship and if they want to grow in the Lord, if they want to be able to amount to anything for the Lord, they will get out of that relationship. But I want to say here that it is... Unnatural. And a society that promotes these relationships as natural is a society that have turned their back on God and are headed for certain judgment. No question about it. We see here that their streets were polluted. We see that their actions were unnatural. But then, thirdly, we see that their reasoning was corrupted. We see here as we look at these verses that both the men who surrounded the house, their reasoning was corrupted, but also Lot's reasoning was corrupted. Let me just say this, Christian. We know that the Bible tells us in the New Testament that Lot was a just man. Were it not for that verse, there's no way I would ever conclude that Lot was a Christian. But Lot was a backslidden Christian, and if you look at his life, you will see constant god Judging Lot. Lot didn't have a glamorous life. He ran into problem after problem after disgrace, shame. His life was marked by someone who was a Christian living in sin. But let me just say, Christian, if you allow yourself to hang with the lost world and you listen to their philosophy, you will begin to reason like they do and not even realize that you're doing it. Look here at this corrupt, reason and this corrupt reasoning. In verse number 5, they said, Where are the men? Bring them out, that we may know them. In verse number 6, And Lot went out at the door unto them, and shut the door after him, and said, I pray you, brethren. well, I tell you what, that right there ought to stop you in your tracks. Brethren. Lot called these men brethren. These are my brothers. I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Behold now. Lot like Just now I told these men, don't be wicked. Behold, I have two daughters. You see corrupt reasoning? Brethren, don't be so wicked. I've got two daughters. I'll just give you. Corrupt reasoning. Lot has been in Sodom so long that Lot doesn't even know how to think rationally. He's lost his concept of purity. He's lost his moral compass. He's like, if I can stop them from doing this by giving them my virgin daughter, what kind of corrupt reasoning has entered the mind of this man? His reasoning is corrupted. He says, brethren, do not so wickedly. Behold, now I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, know the bring them out unto you and do ye uh, to them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing, for therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. He's got misplaced priorities. Lot says, I would rather sacrifice my family, to the heathen than to hurt my reputation with my guests. Well, I'm telling you what, we have come to a sad place when we are willing to sacrifice our children to the heathen to maintain our own position and status in the world around us. I'll sacrifice my children. You know what, first and foremost, we ought to be after preserving the souls of our children. Lot said, I'll sacrifice my children. There's some corrupt reasoning. But look at verse number 9. And they said, stand back. They said again, this one fellow came in to sojourn, and he will needs be a judge. Now will we deal worse with thee than with them. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. Do you know sin never stops? For these men, to take Lot's daughters is sinful. But that sin had become tame to them and they wanted something more wicked and more defiled. Records, historical records show that many times these men would do their perversions to strangers and then they would murder them and leave them in the streets. Sin never Ever stops. The devil will push a little something in front of you, and he'll say, Here, there's nothing wrong with this. It, it's not going to hurt anything, it's harmless. Nobody knows about it. You give into it, he'll push a little bigger package. You give into it, he'll push a bigger package, and you'll get to where you're dissatisfied with the little sins. And you want something bigger, something more vile, something more perverse. And you will continue down that road until you come to your own destruction. Exactly what's taking place in the land of Sodom. Exactly what we see taking place in our country today. These men's reasoning was corrupted. What Lot offered them was at least natural as far as creation is concerned. Man with woman. They said, no, we're not interested in that. That's tame. We want something vile. We want to be able to to corrupt and defile and murder. That's what satisfies us. You know what? God has given us fleshly appetites, and He has given us means within His will to satisfy those appetites. And if we stay within His will, we can have a very fulfilled, enjoyable life. But when we step outside, of the will of God, you will find that those appetites will dominate and control you till you are never able to satisfy them. These men, their reasoning was corrupted. And then verse 10 and 11, we see that they were enslaved by their desires. Boy, I'm telling you, as I look at this one, I I had never seen this one quite this way until I was studying it this time. It says, But the men put forth their hand. This is the angels who were inside. They put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut to the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. These men had so given themselves over to their depraved desires that they were now enslaved by their desires I don't know about you but if if I'm going into the kitchen to fry myself an egg and along the way I lose my eyesight I'll quit thinking about the egg and I'll start trying to figure out why I can't see wouldn't you? I would be more concerned about what happened I can't see they say are you still hungry? no, I can't see something has happened here, I can't see The Bible says here that they smote them with blindness. It doesn't say that they went home. It doesn't say that they gave up. It says they wearied themselves to find the door. These men have become enslaved by their desires. And we have seen examples of this. We have seen people whose lives have been destroyed by addiction. Whether it be alcohol or some type of substance abuse, their lives have been destroyed and they know that this thing that they're addicted to is destroying their life. They know that it's robbing them of their joy. It's robbing them of their vitality. They know that they've lost their beauty. They've lost their strength and they're yet young. And yet they will do whatever they can to avail themselves to that sin over and over and over and over again. You will become enslaved by your desires. These men were struck with blindness. And they ignored the fact that they had lost their sight. All they wanted was to feed that burning passion that they had built inside their hearts. I'm telling you, when a person comes to that state, there's not much left except the judgment of God. Boy, I'm telling you what, we live in a nation that I am glad still has a strong witness of the gospel. But every year that I live... It's like we're getting on a faster and faster and faster slope away from the things of God and justifying the actions of the wicked and we're going to find ourselves in a nation that is enslaved by their desires that is facing the certain judgment of God. What this ought to do is frighten you and I into making sure we're getting the gospel to this lost and dying world because there are yet millions who would be receptive to the gospel if they heard the gospel. But if we don't get the gospel to them, this depraved society is going to get their message to them. We need to be proclaiming the hope of the gospel loud and clear. Looking at the time here, I know we've got a business meeting too. The next thing that we'll look at, and we'll probably save the remainder of this for next week just so we can get on into the business meeting. But in the remainder of the chapter we see the degenerate mentality of Sodom. And in looking at the degenerate mentality, what we'll be looking at is how this mentality affected Lot as a believer. And it will be a warning to you and I. Are we allowing the degenerate mentality of the world to affect the way we stand, the way we believe, the way we act, and the way we respond. I encourage you if you get an opportunity this week to read chapter 19 and especially the remainder of the chapter we'll be looking at and prepare yourself to come back next Wednesday and look at how this mentality of Sodom affected Lot and what it cost him because he allowed himself and his family to be affected by the mentality of Sodom. Thank you very much for listening. I'm telling you, it's a sober it's a sober chapter, but it's something we ought to take serious because God put it in His Word as a warning to you and I. I'm going to say a word of prayer, then after we pray, uh, we'll go ahead and pass out the ballots and get ready for our business meeting. Father, we thank You for this day. Lord, it's good to be in Your house, and Lord, once again I say, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for the warnings in Your Word. I thank You... Lord, that you've given us a book that, Father, if we adhere ourselves to it, and, Father, we'll, we'll look, learn, and listen to what is written in your Word. Father, Lord, you have given us guidelines. You've given us instruction. You've given us warnings. And, Father, Lord, I pray that we'll take heed and we'll listen. And we'll apply, Father, I pray. Thank you for your goodness. Bless now as we go into this business meeting. Uh, Father, Lord, we thank you that you have given us the ability, Lord, to, to have finances that can be used to help others. And Father, Lord, as we look at these things, uh, Father, I pray that you will just bless and be with us. Thank you for your goodness to us. Bless us.